0: Thank you so much Ben. I would invite you to take a seat, Tab and the band will be back uh, a little bit later. As, as Emma and Clarissa said, uh, my name is Chris and if you're joining us uh, for the first time tonight or if you missed last week and maybe you come here often, uh, we're in part two of a series that uh, we're, we're having a four week discussion around called Decisions. And the reason that we're doing it, the reason that we're having this uh, discussion at the start of the year is because we want you to make great decisions, not just in the first couple of months of the year, not actually not just this year, but we want you to make great decisions throughout your entire life and we really want to set you up for that. And uh, in case you missed it last week, let me bring you back up to speed. Really, uh, we kind of just asked one question. We, if you were here last week, we gave you some homework. If you weren't, you avoided the homework good for you. Uh, And you can answer this question really, really quickly in five seconds, like all homework in primary school. So we're all on the same page. And the question we asked was this, what story do you want your life to tell? And we we said there's kind of two ways you could really approach this. One is to, uh, to imagine you're the age you are now and then imagine yourself in sort of 20, 30, 40, 50 years time. What story do you want your life to have told within 50 years? What kind of relationships do you want to have to look back on? You know, what, what, are the, what are the kind of things that are important to you? What kind of jobs are you going to pursue? What kind of impact do you want to have had in the world? Um, Always said there's another way you can do this, which for some reason is just the way uh, that I like to do it. I swear I'm not this morbid, but just imagine that you're at your funeral looking back over your life and to imagine that you maybe had three or four close people, maybe family, maybe friends, maybe co-workers, people in the community who knew you and they were to get up and to share a little bit about your life. And when they get up and share, what kind, of, "What kind of story do you want them to tell about your life?" And so we kind of asked you that question, and really the reason that we got you to ask that question is because of the big idea last week, which was that the decisions you make today determine the story that you tell tomorrow. For so many of us, we go through life and we just make decision after decision after decision after decision after decision, and then we get to this place and we get to this point and we, this relationship falls apart, or we get into a whole heap of debt and we say something like how did I end up here? And the truth of the matter is that how you ended up there was every decision that you made. In fact, the reason that you're here tonight is, is a culmination of every decision that you have made throughout your life. And so, to set the scene for this series, we wanted to kind of give you an opportunity to get your head above the waves, get your head uh, above the, the hurriness and the, the hustle and bustle of life, and, and start to say, hey, where do I want to be? What kind of story do I want my life to tell? And to kind of push us forward tonight, I wanted to, to get us to think about, this is something you already know. You already know this at a subconscious level, uh, and, but, but maybe you don't know this at a conscious level. And the thing that we all know at a subconscious level is that every decision begins with a question. Every decision that you make in your life, no matter how simple or how complex, begins with a question. For example, if you've got to set your alarm to wake up tomorrow, that decision for what time you're going to set your alarm begins with a question. Do I want to get up on time? Do I want to go get coffee beforehand? Do I want to go to the gym and work out beforehand? Do I want to like have breakfast first? Do I want to make a fancy breakfast? Do I just want to throw the oats and, and hit go for 90 seconds on the microwave? Do I maybe want to cook an omelette? You know, what kind of bus am I catching? What train am I catching? Now, this decision to what time, or for what time to set your alarm begins with a question. And for a lot of us, every decision, or actually for all of us, every decision does. The problem is, we don't ask great questions. And it's not that they're bad questions, it's just not that they're, they're just not the best question. So we ask questions when we're making decisions like, is this a good thing to do? Or we ask questions like, will this make me happy? And for some of you, uh, you're sitting here tonight and, and you've, you've been in that situation where you've had to make a decision and you've said, will this decision make me happy? And now, five, ten, maybe a couple of months later, what would really make you happy would be to go back in time and to reverse the decision that you thought would make you happy originally. Maybe for some of you, the question you ask is, will I get caught? Didn't you used to ask this like when you were maybe beating up on on your little brother or your little sister, or you're kind of mucking around and then someone takes it a little too far and you think to yourself, will I get caught? How can I cover this up? Maybe for some of you, you ask that question, like, is it technically illegal? Like, what kind of way can I work this? So it's like, it's, I know it's illegal, but is it technically illegal? And really what I want to do tonight, because it's not that those questions are bad. I just think that there's a better question that you can ask. And so tonight, what I want to do is, is I want to give you that question. And when you begin to ask this question... This question will help you make better decisions in about 90% of areas in your life. It won't answer every question, but, but this question will help you make better decisions in about 90% uh, of the decisions that you have to make in your life. Uh, and we find that question in a letter that a guy called Paul wrote that, that we now know as Ephesians. And some of you, I, I get it, as soon as I say Ephesians, Bible stuff, Paul, you're kind of, you're pushing back against it. And I, I totally get that. But I'm not asking you to believe the Bible. I'm not, I'm not asking you to, to believe that the Bible is the Word of God. I'm not, I'm not asking you to believe in Noah's Ark or believe in, you know, the Genesis account of creation. I'm not asking you to believe that stuff. What I'm asking you to do is to press into the words that were written by a man who stepped onto the pages of history, not as Saul. No, sorry, not as Paul the church planter, not as Paul the pastor, not as Paul, the author, the communicator, but he stepped onto the pages of history as a man named Saul who was on a mission to destroy the church. In fact, Saul was on a mission to eradicate the followers of Jesus off the face of the earth and the teachings of Jesus. If Paul had his way, Christianity would be a split on the radar of history. He was trying to push it down, suppress it, bury it. And in one day... Paul, who was on his his way to a town called Damascus to actually kill more Christians, had an encounter and it revolutionized his life. This wasn't over a a process, this this encounter happened uh, one day and it completely changed the way he saw everything. And Paul went from a Christian killer to a Christian leader and he began to start these churches all around the Mediterranean rim. He would begin to raise up leaders in these churches and then he'd go and and start other churches and then he would write letters back to the churches that he had started. So so if you push back against the Bible and the whole Jesus thing, I I get that. But but what we're going to look at tonight, I'm not going to ask you to believe the Bible. I just want you to press into the words of someone who pushed back against Christianity just like you push back against Christianity as well. And Paul... Paul writes this letter, I'll give you a little bit of context. Uh, we know this letter as, as Ephesians, uh, we've come to know this letter as Ephesians, but it, it was a letter that was distributed to the church at large. So they would, they would get letters and they would pass them round to all the different churches that, that Paul had started and Christians would read them. And we now know this one as, as Ephesians. And in the first part of this letter, Paul's kind of talking about a whole lot of application. He's talking about how followers of G Je- or where followers of Jesus are to place their identity, he talks about how they can do that. He gives them a whole heap of practical steps for how to do that. But he knows or he realises, that he gets to this point where he's given them a whole heap of stuff to do, a whole heap of things that can, help them be, that can really help them follow Jesus. And he knows because he's writing this letter that this could be a really intimidating thing for someone on the other end reading. So he kind of takes a step back. And he kind of gives them a filter. He gives them a filter, as we're going to discover, to filter their decisions through that will help them to actually follow Jesus and help them to live the way that he's been writing about in the first part of this letter. And we join in, in Ephesians 5.15, if you've got your uh, phones. Uh, if not, now is the perfect time to check Facebook or, or Instagram. But, but he, he says this, he says, be very that careful that, uh, careful then how you live. And this, this word for careful... Is, is look around. Like, as you walk through life, look around. This word live is this is word for walk. So Paul's painting this imagery, as you walk on the journey of life, pay attention to what's going on around you. And then he goes on, not as unwise, but as wise. Because wise people pay attention to what's going on around them. Unwise people just look, and they walk, looking at their feet, and they run into something, they, they trip over something, they fall off the path, they, they, move, they end up where they didn't want to be. And so Paul's just saying, hey, I just want you to get your head up, and I want you to look around. Look where your decisions are leading you. And then what, what he says next, it's going to sound a little bit odd when you see it on the screen, but, but give me a second, we'll get the oddness out there, and then I'll explain it to you. He says, making the most of every opportunity... Because the days are evil. So, this word opportunity, what Paul is saying is as you walk through life, you have a finite amount of time to live. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, we believe that there is a heaven. We believe that that we'll continue to live. But but even if you don't, uh, you believe that there is a finite amount of time that you have to live on earth, which means that there are only a limited number of decisions that you can make which means you can't do everything that you possibly want to do. There's just not enough time. And so Paul says, make the most of the time that you have while you're living in this earth. And then he says, because the days are evil. And this is not some superstitious thing. This is not Paul being weird. What What Paul is really saying is he's articulating to the Ephesians what was true in their day and what's also true in our day that if you let the current of culture pull you, if you kick your feet back and you say, hey, I'm not gonna make the most of every opportunity, I'm not gonna live carefully, I'm just gonna go wherever culture pulls me, you will eventually end up in a place where you do not want to be. Because culture says things like place your worth in how many followers you have on Instagram. If you want something, you take it straight away. You have it straight away. Who cares if you've got a whole heap of credit card debt? Just get a credit card to pay off your credit card debt. And if it's not that culture is a bad thing, but if you let the current of culture take you, it will lead you to a place. Maybe not now, maybe not next week, but eventually you will end up in a place where you don't want to be, and you'll say, "How did I end up here?" And then what, what Paul says next is, is just for followers of Jesus. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're off the hook. You can choose to apply this or, or, you, can, uh, or you can maybe lean in. But if you're a follower of Jesus, what Paul says next is a non-negotiable. We, we don't have a choice when it comes to this. And this is what Paul says, In light of all of this, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Isn't it so easy and maybe you've done this, but as Christians, we are, we are really good at lying to ourselves. We are really, really good. Just ask your friends. We are really, really good at knowing what Jesus taught about how to love your neighbor. But we're really good at lying to ourselves about why we shouldn't love our neighbor. We are really, really, uh, we're, we're really switched on when we, uh, when we talk about how, what Jesus says about prayer we're really switched on. We know the answers when he says, "Hey, this is how Jesus says that we should look after our finances. This is how Jesus says we should approach relationships." But we're really good at lying to ourselves as, as as to why that doesn't apply to us. As to why that's true for everyone else, every other follower of Jesus, but for us we're an exception. There's a way around it for us. And this word understand is not just to know. It's not just to know what Jesus teaches but it's to actually follow what Jesus teaches. And so Paul's saying to these Ephesians, don't just know, but actually live, actually follow what Jesus teaches. And not not because God will get angry at you, not because you'll lose your spot in heaven, but because if the creator of the universe stepped into history and gave his life for you, to pay a debt that wasn't His to pay in the first place? Maybe His will for your life is, is actually worth pursuing. Maybe His will is not to keep something from you but to give something to you. Maybe, maybe God's will for you is actually what's really best and ultimately what you want. So. Let's kind of bring this all together and, and I'll give you that question that we were talking about. And the question is actually found back in verse 15, where Paul says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. This whole, uh, this whole couple of verses is, is centred around this idea of being wise. Sorry, I'm parched. If you need a drink, if you're a little parched, feel free, the eskies at the back. Um, and so the question is this, what's the wise thing to do? does that make you uncomfortable? Because all of a sudden now, that decision that you are making, is it a good thing to do? Will I get caught? You can, you can convince yourself of, as to why you won't get caught, as to why it's a good thing to do. But, but now all of a sudden, when you start asking, asking a question like, what's the wise thing to do? All of a sudden, you're like, oh, well, I know what the wise thing to do is. I can't reason my way out of it. And so if I just don't do it, I'll be, I'll be doing the unwise thing. And I don't want to be unwise, but I, but I also don't want to do what the wise thing to do is. There's a, there's a tension there. You might have to face some things that you, you don't want to face. And I wanted to give you just a couple of dimensions to this question, because it's more than just this question. I wanted you to really be able to get a handle on this question and, and press into what Paul's talking about. The first, way, the first dimension of this question is, in light of my past experiences... What's the wise thing to do? Each and every person in this room has a different past. Your past and your experiences in your past are unique. They're different from mine, they're different from the person next to you. But what that means is that because of your past experiences, the wise thing for you to do may look different than the person next to you. In light of your past experiences, the last time you hung out with those friends the last time you texted him back or the last time you texted her back, the last time you stayed the night, in light of your past experiences, that, what's the wise thing to do in light of that? And that might be completely different from someone else's response. But we're not comparing ourselves to other people because we want to do the wise thing for you. The next um, dimension is, in light of my current circumstances, what's the wise thing to do? In light of what's going on in your life right now, what's the wise decision to make? Maybe there are some of you right now who, who you didn't do so crash hot at uni or school last year. And you know, this year you're going to you're gonna have to pick up the game a little bit. You, you're going to have to kind of raise your grades so that you can get into that OP course you want. Maybe you want to you wanna get your, uh, your GPA up at uni so you can transfer into that other course. And, and an opportunity presents itself. It's not a bad opportunity could be something simple as just going away for a weekend with friends. It's not good, it's not bad, it's just a weekend away with friends. But in light of your current circumstances, when you know that you really need to get your grades up, when you know that that was a weekend you were going to set aside to study, what's the wise thing to do? Is it to go away? Is it to, is it to do that thing where you go, I'll oh, just watch one episode of Stranger Things on Netflix first, then I'll get to it. In light of your current circumstances, what is the wise thing to do? And then the final dimension is this, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? Because maybe, maybe you've experienced it yourself, maybe to think about this is actually painful for you. Or maybe you've journeyed with a friend or you've seen someone who in the moment they have made a decision that has unknowingly sabotaged their future hopes and dreams. And I don't want that for you. And, and chances are, you don't want that for you. You don't want to make a decision in the moment that unknowingly sabotages your future hopes and dreams, that, that sabotages a future relationship, that sabotages a future financial position, that, that sabotages your hopes and your dreams. So in light of your future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? I want to give you an action point. I want to give you an action step because, because I just don't want you to, to hear it. Like Paul says, I, don't just, I just don't want you to know it. I want you to understand it. So I want to give you a handle on it this week. Uh, we call our action points here at Beyond, we just call them for Monday because we believe that church gathering together, regardless of whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, isn't just for an hour once a week, but it's something that, that should impact your life for Monday and for the rest of the week. And so the question, the challenge I have for you this week is simply this, ask and apply. In a second I'm going to show you the question, it's going to be all smashed together, but I want you to ask this question and apply it. I don't want you to, I don't want you to ask it for the rest of your life, I don't want you to ask, commit to asking it for six months, I just want you to commit to asking this question for seven days and doing the wise thing, just for seven days. After that you can choose what you want to do, but just for seven days I want you to, I want you to ask this question. And the question is this, in light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise, not what's the good, not, not what will make me happy, not, not um, what's another one, not what's the legal thing to do, there we go, but what's the wise thing to do? And, and, and just, just for seven days, see what kind of decisions you start to make. See, see how your life begins to change in the next seven days. Pay attention to what decision you would make initially and then ask this question and see if, it, if, see if the decisions were different. And, and trust me, I totally understand. I totally understand that there are some of you out there right now and you're fighting with me in your head. You're having this like internal monologue where you're like, I'm not going to do that. No, nah, you're just trying to trick me. You're just trying to trick me into the Jesus thing. I totally, totally get it. This question won't make you follow Jesus. And I understand that maybe there are some of you there who are like, I'm not going to ask this question because it's going to make me confront some things I don't want to confront right now. It's going to make me do some things I don't want to do right now. And you're kind of like annoyed in your head. You're like, I'm not going to do it. And maybe there are some of you who are just just because I've asked you to do something, you're pushing back. And you're like, I'm not going to do it just because you asked me to do it. But just listen for a second if that's you. I, I, want you to, I want you to learn what you discover about yourself when you resist asking this question. I want you to learn what you discover when you say no, I I don't don't want to have a bar of this. What you discover is actually that you don't have your best interests at heart. And if you don't have your best interests at heart, then who does? Your friends? Your brother? Your sister? Your boyfriend? Your girlfriend? Your husband? Your wife? Your parents? If you don't have your best interests at heart, then, then who is? Why not put your best interests at heart just for seven days and see what life would look like for you? Because maybe, maybe, just maybe the reason that Paul wrote this, the reason that Paul was encouraging followers of Jesus to begin to ask this question was because that God wants the wise thing for you, that God's will is actually for you. And if God created you, And if God designed you, then God actually wants what's best for you. And even if you don't believe in God, what have you got to lose by asking this question? Because I'll tell you honestly, in in the line of work that I'm in, I'm in, and that our leaders are in, no one ever calls us up to be like, "Oh my goodness, Chris, I just had the best Tuesday. It was awesome. I went to Told You So. I've got coffee." I climbed a mountain in my yoga pants. I put a photo on Instagram. It was incredible. No, no one ever calls us to just tell us how great their day was. People call us when they make decisions that they regret. And they're like, hey, this relationship fell apart and I don't know what to do now. My finances are not where I want them to be and I don't know how I got here. I'm not sure how to, how to move past, this situation, this circumstance that I'm, I'm experiencing right I'm not sure how to forgive. And I am convinced, just probably like you are, just from living life, that, that no one plans to deliberately mess their life up on purpose. I have never set out in the morning being like, I am going to make the dumbest decision I've ever made today. But here I am, I do it, you know, like we all do it. The problem is we just don't make a plan not to mess our lives up. This question is how you foolproof and how you get in front of and how you begin to make a plan not to get to a point in your life where you say, how did this happen? How did I get here? So for the next seven days, all I want you to do is simply ask this question and apply it. And then next week, Josh is going to be up here and Josh is going to answer the question, how do you do the wise thing when you don't actually know what the wise thing to do is? I'd love to uh, pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the words that uh, Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. Lord, we, as difficult as it may be, I pray that we would begin to understand and begin to, to trust you. To begin to trust that you don't want something from us. You're God, what could, you pos- what could we possibly give you? But Lord, that you want something for us. Lord, and that following you is actually a way to press into what your will is, to discover your will for our life and ultimately have the kind of relationships we want to have. Have the kind of financial situation we want to have. Forgive and love our neighbour the way we want to love our neighbour. So Lord, this week I just pray just for seven days that we would begin to, to pay attention to our decisions and the question that we ask before every decision. Lord, help us to ask in light of my Past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams. What's the wise thing to do? And help us not just to know, but to actually do the wise thing. And we pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. We're gonna uh, we're gonna move now into a time of communion. And if you're brand new and you've got no idea what that fancy church word is, uh, don't worry. We're gonna walk you right through it. Uh, in in the four uh, in the well three of the four accounts that we have of Jesus' life, the biographies written by Matthew Mark, Luke and John uh, we're told that on the night before Jesus died he was gathered in an upper room with his disciples and as they were gathered together they were sharing a meal and, and Jesus kind of redefined this traditional meal that they would shared for, for centuries and he did this by taking bread and he broke it and he said this is my body it's given for you For the forgiveness of sins. Take and eat this whenever you gather together in remembrance of me. And they continued to eat and then after supper, Jesus kind of called a hush across the room and he, he grabbed the cup and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant that is shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. I want you to take and drink it whenever you gather together in remembrance of me for the forgiveness of your sins. And in a moment, we're going to give you all an opportunity if you'd like to share in that same meal that the very first disciples shared in the upper room that that night right before jesus went to the cross and up the front there's a we've got two stations where with uh with gluten-free i was trying to think of what gluten-free uh bread and then just regular wafers and then uh, you can dip it in the uh the cordial uh, that we have and we've got chilled water in the cordial tonight for you because we just you know we're thinking about you um and, uh, and if you're not sure about what communion is, and you're kind of like, oh, what is this thing? Like, do I, is there some secret handshake? Is there a code? No. All, all that we say is that you want to be forgiven because that's what Jesus offers in this meal. That's what Jesus' death offers on the cross, forgiveness, and that you want to lead a forgiving life. In other words, you don't want to hold that forgiveness to yourself, but you want to be someone who readily forgives people, who shares the love of Jesus with other people. Uh, so I'd love to pray, and then in a moment I'm going to invite you forward. And, and if this is not your, your, uh, your jam at the moment, if you're still like, oh, I'm not really sure, that is totally okay. You can sit back and relax. Uh, the band are, are going to play uh, a song while we filter through. But I'd love to pray for you right now, and then you're more than welcome to come forward if you'd like. Heavenly Father, I thank you that even when we don't know what the wise thing to do is, that you stepped into history and you gave yourself for us. That you, on the cross, you paid a debt that you didn't have to pay. So that when we do things that fracture our relationship with you, we wouldn't have to earn our way back to you. But we would be able to turn and we would be able to ask for forgiveness, knowing that you've already stretched your arms wide on the cross. and You've said those words, it is finished. And the forgiveness is ours when we turn back to you. And so Lord, I just pray for for anyone here tonight who's maybe uh, been thinking about maybe some of the unwise decisions that they've been making. Maybe that they feel that because of these unwise decisions that there's a barrier between them and you. And Lord, I pray that, that they would know that there is no amount of unwise decisions. There is no amount of fracturing in the relationship that stops you pursuing them, that stops you welcoming them to a relationship and stops you extending an invitation for them to get to know you. Because even when we had nothing to offer, you stepped into history and you died on a cross for the opportunity to have a relationship with us. Not because you could get something from us, but because you genuinely care and you want to know about our lives. You care about what we're going on, what's going on. And you want us to be free of the burdens that unwise decisions carry with them. So Lord, I I pray that we would cast our unwise burdens at your feet and that we would uh, live in that forgiveness. In Jesus' name, Amen.